0: Hello and welcome, or for those who have joined us before, welcome back to the Sitting in My Bed Podcast. My name is Simcha Klein, and for those practicing the Jewish faith, Purim is next week. Um, those who aren't Jewish might preferly know Purim as kind of the Jewish version of Halloween, but there's a lot more to it than just that. Um, for instance, did you know that there are actually two separate Purims? Did you know that we fast beforehand? Did you know that there's a whole lot going into it besides for dressing up and getting candy? Um, so this week I thought I would just kind of, um, very, very briefly explain the story of Purim, and then go into some of the rituals and customs that come along with it, and why there are actually two separate days of Purim. So, the story of Purim is that there was a king named Ahasverosh, um, if you look for him in English works of literature or history, you might see him as Ahasuerus, or maybe Xerxes, uh, or one of the Xerxes, Xerxai. I don't know, um, history has different names for him, depending on whether you're transliterating, or you're actually looking for the name he was most commonly known, um, but he ruled over Shushan, um, uh, which is, uh, in present day, uh, well, not present day, which we know as Persia, which is in present day Iran, I believe, um, and he ruled for a hundred and, he ruled over 127, Countries and Shushan was the capital, right? Or well, not country, so to speak, but he ruled over 127 territories, and Shushan was the capital, and that's where our story takes place. Basically, it's about these: some say cousins, some say uncle and niece, um, named Mordecai and Esther, who um, save the king, and therefore stop an evil plan by his uh, right-hand man to kill all the Jewish people, and Esther is queened, and the Jewish people are saved, yay. Now, there's a lot more that goes into it than that, but there's also a lot of, um, interpretations. Like, there's the main one that, um, is known by, you know, anyone practicing the Jewish faith, but there's also, like, minute details here and there that can be shifted around. Um, but that's what I'm going into today. Um, what I'm actually going into is the like I said, the rituals and practices and customs that go along with it. So, one of them, the actual, the the first one we do on Purim. Well, okay. First, first, we fast the day before Purim. That is called Tainus Esther. Uh, Tina is uh, as a fast, and Esther, you know, Esther. Um, we fast because during the story, the Jews fasted for three days before, like, the climax of the story uh, to be a, um, a good luck charm of sorts. Um, so to commemorate that, we fast the day before Purim. Then Purim starts. It is on the 14th day of the Hebrew month of Adar, which is usually within late February, early to mid-March, depending on how the months fall out that year. Um, we start with at night, because Jewish holidays start at night, we hear what's called the Megillah. Now, the Megillah is the story of Purim. There are actually five Megillos we read throughout the year, um, but the one we read on Purim is called Megillos Esther. Um, now, there's 13 chapters that go over everything that happened over the Purim story from Achashverosh and Haman, who is the antagonist of our story, which is where we get the term haman which for the cookies we eat on Purim. Because legend has that Haman were a three-cornered hat. And we make three-cornered cookies to symbolize that, you know, we're destroying Haman. So they're Haman-tashin. Usually filled with jelly or chocolate or poppy seeds of some kind. Um, right, so we read the Megillah. We read it at night. Then in the morning, that's when, like, the actual... You get into the, day, the spirit of the holiday. Um, you read the Megillah again during your morning prayers. And then you do what's called Mishloach Manos, which is giving and receiving food packages to other people. Um, Now, officially, 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 bare minimum, you only need to give either two people one food or one person two different kinds of food, like a grain and a drink or a grain and a uh, vegetable, something that would have two separate blessings on it. Uh but most people tend to go more than just the bare minimum. Um where they make full on packages and they give to all their friends and their neighbors. Um some people tie it in with their costumes. Um and it's like a whole kitschy thing. But the bare bare minimum is just to give two foods or to one person or or one food to two people. Um so that's Michelos. That's one of the four main concerns of the day. Megillah was the second one. The third one is matanos Levyonim. Matanos means gifts, and Levyonim means to poor people. So it's literally just giving charity. That's also a very big part of the day. Uh, matanos Levyonim. And then the fourth one is the su'uda, is the meal. So technically, dressing up is not one of the four main points of Perm. We dress up to commemorate, we dress up to make fun of the bad guys and to symbolize the good guys, Really, you're just supposed to dress up as someone from the story, but again, over time, traditions have shifted and people dress up as whatever they want new. Um, But really, the four main things are hearing a Megillah, giving mishloach Manos, um, giving charity, and eating your meal. Now, another big part of Purim is getting drunk. There is a tradition to drink to the point where you can't tell the difference between who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. But... Is a huge caveat with that. You don't need to do that. You shouldn't do it if it's going to make a fool out of you. You shouldn't do it if it's dangerous. You shouldn't do it if you're underage. And you shouldn't do it if if it's going to make you sick. But people just hear the word drunk and they use it as an excuse to get do whatever they want. You have adults drinking and sometimes driving and unfortunately you have a lot of underage drinking. Um, you have a lot of people going to the hospital and a lot of car accidents. And it's just the way it is, like and people kind of encourage it. Oh, it's perm, have a shot, have a drink. You know, there's some people who instead of giving Michel monos they go around collecting for various charities or schools, fundraisers. And through that or, and they get a limo and they go around with their friends and they dance at people's houses and they get money. Through that they end up getting very drunk. Or they go to the Suda and they get very drunk. Now, I was never one for going around collecting. I liked doing mishalak Um I liked seeing my friends and getting candy and whatnot. Um, and to be perfectly honest, I was just never asked. I don't know if I would have gone if I was asked, but I don't know. I was just never really into it. Because, um, you know, I wanted candy. But I guess it's kind of an immature thing to do. Anyway. um, But. Yeah, so there's a lot of drinking that happens. Like, a lot, a lot of it. Um, is that a great thing? No. Is it a great look for the Jewish community that they're getting trashed on a random weekday? No. It's a great look that their kids getting trashed on a random weekday? And it almost looks like adults are encouraging it? Definitely not. But it's a staple of the community. And that's just how it is. Now, this year, Purim falls out on a Friday, which is interesting. Because how is the meal you're supposed to have on Purim going to coincide with the meal you're supposed to have on Shabbos? And there's some people saying you're supposed to have your meal early, which means that you need to hear Megillah early. It takes about an hour, an hour and a half. Um, and then do your Mishloach Manos, which is always trafficy around this area. But especially so long it's going to be on a Friday. Some are saying no, you should actually push your meal later to go into Shabbos. Which causes two major problems. Well, three problems, but two major ones. The first not-so-major one is, how's that going to work? Are you not going to bring your phone with you? Or are you not going to drive to your meal? How are you going to light the candles for Shabbos? If you're in someone else's house, like how is that going to work logistically? Second is, is that people drink a lot on Purim, and you're not allowed to go to shul. You're not allowed to go pray when you're drunk. So how are they going to pray Friday night if they're get, if they're still drunk from their meal and their meal goes into Shabbos? The third issue is I forget what the third issue is. Maybe it's only two. But anyway, um, now I said there were actually two days of Purim, and that's because there's a second day called Shushan Purim. Now, if you remember, I said earlier that Shushan is was the capital city of Persia then. And Shushan Purim is the Purim that's celebrated within walled cities. So if you are in a walled city, like a city with a wall around it, you actually celebrate it the next day. You don't celebrate it on the 14th, you celebrate it on the 15th. Um, and that comes major into play when you look at a city like Jerusalem or Yerushalayim, which is a walled city and is a major jewish place so they actually celebrate a day later than most of the rest of israel so if you're in israel and you can technically have two days of purim but this year's Shushan purim falls out on shabbos on saturday so i wonder if they're going to push that to sunday i think i've heard of that being done in the past where they push things to sunday or i don't think they're going to do a day earlier that's usually not how it works they usually push it a day later but i wonder how that's going to happen that's a good question um on a different note it is snowing across the country um here in new york we actually got hit with um about eight inches of snow um which turned to ice pretty quick and then looks like it's melting not so quickly but within a few days it should be gone but the southern part of the country especially texas was hit very hard um now they are they have They are on an independent electrical grid, separate from the government, um, which was not capable of handling, um, weather like this, and now, a whole lot of Texans are without power, without heat, um, shutting doors, running water, um, wearing multiple layers just to stay above, freezing in their homes, and Senator Ted Cruz went on vacation with his daughters. I think he said it right. Um, it's despicable. I mean... It's terrible what's happening to Texans and that they're facing a lack of running water and electricity and safety, but it's terrible that he's supposed to be, um, helping the state and he decided to go on vacation instead. It is just a fundamental lack of connectivity between him and the people he's supposed to be serving, um, and, you know, for years he was, um, criticizing President Obama for, uh, being too far removed from the people, and going on golfing trips, of course, when Trump did it, he had nothing to say about it, um, but it, it's hypocritical, and it's deplorable, and it's bad, it's just bad, like, it's just bad, and my heart goes out to them, um, and I hope that they're okay, there's not much that I personally can do, um, A, as an individual, and B, as someone of a limited income, you know, I want to donate money if I can, but as of this moment, I can't, and I feel bad that I can't, but that's just the truth of the matter, that I can't, um, and my heart goes out to them. Now, this past week, I actually subbed for a fifth grade class, um, the teacher's grandfather passed away, so she went to the Funeral. Um, so I subbed for her class, and I I think I'm a pretty fair sub. You know, I, I try to follow the teacher's class guidelines and the teacher's class schedule. You know, they leave me a lesson plan, I go through it. You know, if they have a specific kind of rewards program or if they have a raffle they do every day, I go through with that. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm not a pushover. And if you're going to sub a class, you can't be a pushover, otherwise, you're never going to get out of there alive and you're never going to be hired again. Um, now, I was, I mean, they're fifth graders, I don't know how tough their teacher normally is, um, when it comes to discipline and things like that, so I was kind of lenient when it came to talking, or if they wanted, there were a couple of kids out, so if they wanted to switch seats, I let them, and if they wanted to, and, you know, they had a, a class store, it was uh, a cabinet with, like, food in it that you were able to buy with your class points, um, which I think they get for behaving or whatnot, and I let them do that, um, but, at the same time, like, they couldn't just do whatever they wanted. So, you know, if they were talking in the middle of class, I would warn them. And then I would send them out for a minute. And if I had to send them out again after that, they had to go to the principal. There was one boy who would not stop talking. And he actually had to go to the principal twice. Which means I had to send him out four times. Which is not okay. Like, I understand they're 10 and they're going to talk, especially with a sub. But how many times do you have to get a lesson? Like, how many times do you have to learn what's right and what's not? But, he wasn't the kid I had a problem with. The kid I had a biggest problem with was the one who thought he knew everything anyone who disagreed with him must be stupid because he was the smartest there were two main examples that keep coming to that keep coming to mind when i tell the story um the first was we the principal had offered extra recess if they deserved it now i'm for extra recess a it's less work for me and b the kids enjoy it and you know it gets me in their good graces but at the same time i the last two times i subbed i went through the teacher's lesson planned too quickly and had to think on the fly how to kill time until dismissal you know we either played hangman or we played um going over a mountain um which was fine but i try not to add anything extra that might even more so mess with the schedule because then i don't because i don't know how long the schedule takes so if i try to cram something else in we might not finish everything which honestly the teacher might not be so upset by but i'm still not going to be the one to mess with that so i didn't end up giving them extra recess besides the fact that they weren't the best behaved class but one of the kids who was behaving, he, he said it's not fair that the kids who are behaving are missing out on extra recess because of the kids who aren't. And I said, I understand that, but I can't give half of you recess. And he goes, why not? Just give the other half work and and we can have recess. And I said, because I can't have half of you in the classroom and half of you outside because the recess was outside that day. And he says, no, don't give them in the classroom. Have them come out here and do work outside. While we get to play outside. And besides for the logistical nightmare that that would be. Because I would have to find work for them to do. That just doesn't make sense. They're not going to sit and do work. While their classmates are are playing. Like no. So I said no we're not going to do that. Let's go inside. Reese is over. And he goes why not? I said because it's just not going to work. I said no. Why not? Because I said no. Well I think it'd be smart to do that. That's what he was getting at. That if I'm saying no, I'm being stupid because that would be the smartest thing. And I said, I understand you feel that way. But I said, no, we're going inside. Can you just tell me why not? And that's when I pulled out the trump card, the because I said so. Now, I don't like saying because I said so because I think it's kind of rude and it's not a great argument. But there are some times where it's warranted and necessary. So I used it here. In the classroom, he also was a little annoyed. That I kept calling on other people to give the answer... Even if he knew the answer or his hand was up. Or that I let some kids switch their seats... But I didn't let him. I didn't let him because I didn't want to turn into a whole pandemonium. If one kid wanted to go sit in the corner... I was fine with that. But him switching with another kid or something... I wasn't going to let him switch with another kid. So, so no, just stay where you are. And he was getting a little annoyed with me. And he goes... Oh, but well my teacher would let... Or the regular teacher would let... You know, I think you should do it like this. And that's when... I kind of lost... I didn't scream at him. I definitely didn't scream at him. But I was a little sterner than I generally am. Especially when I'm subbing. And I said, well, your teacher's not here. I am. And I am in charge of the classroom. You are not. So I get to decide what happens and what doesn't happen. Do you understand me? Now, that might have been a little harsh for a 10-year-old. But it needed to be said. And what was... What I didn't understand was... The kids have dividers by their desks. They have, like, plexiglass dividers. When they're behind their dividers, they can take off their masks... And the teacher's desk has one too. They don't have to wear a mask when they're behind the desk. This kid was still wearing his mask behind the desk. And I had taken my... They had gone to the science lab for about 30 minutes. And I was wearing it beforehand. But when I went back to get them and I was behind my desk, I took it off. Because I'd spoken to the principal secretary. um, And she said, when you're behind the desk, you don't really have to wear it. So I took it off. And he raised his hand and asked me to put it back on. And... I said, of course, you know, I put it back on and I asked him if he was still bothered by it, despite the fact that I'm more than six feet away and I'm behind a plexiglass, like there shouldn't be any way for this to affect him. And he says, yes, but just more of an abundance of caution. Do you know what that means? Which, first off, like to ask your teacher if you know what that means, that's kind of disrespectful. But secondly, I understand being cautious but at the same time, you're playing recess and you're not wearing a mask. And you were standing next to a kid two minutes ago and you weren't wearing a mask. Now you are, sure. And maybe he's 10 and he forgot and his parents drilled it into his head to be abundantly cautious. But you can't play both sides of the coin, especially when I am a safe distance away. But I am sensitive to how some people are being extremely cautious. I'm not sure you can be extremely cautious when it comes to something like this. About... um. About safety. Now, I am getting the second shot of the vaccine tomorrow. Or today when this goes out. Um, so I'm not sure what's going to change. From what I understand, the only thing that changes is that... I mean, besides the fact that you have an increased um, defense against the virus. That you also don't have to quarantine after you come in contact with someone who's positive. And what i don't understand is does the vaccine prevent you from getting it at all or is it saying that when you get it you're safe because if it prevents you from getting it from getting it at all then i don't know it's just there's some science that i feel like i'm missing here which i think like a lot of people are missing i feel like we're just supposed to be taking it's a vaccine get it which obviously get the vaccine if you can but like I feel like there's some details I personally am missing. And that I've been hearing contradicting stories. Like, and what I never got is if you can pass on the virus, can't you also pass on antibodies? Like, why doesn't that work? Why can't you pass on antibodies? Like, from, I think there's a thing that, like, a pregnant woman, she can pass on antibodies to her fetus, I guess, to the baby inside of her. So, like, I don't know. I'm getting the vaccine, I'm staying safe, I'm wearing a mask, I'm staying six feet away, of course. But I feel like there's also... Like, I'm happy to go along blindly. Because I think it's 100% times better than the alternative. But I still feel like there are some details that I'm missing. But... I'm getting the vaccine tomorrow, and... You know, come hell or high water, I'm gonna do it. So, you know, any reservations i may have just gonna have to wait till after um and that's it follow me on twitter at samanderk k s-a-m-m-a-n-d-e-r underscore k follow me on instagram at s-a-m-c-h-a underscore k-l-e-i-n um there might not be an episode next week considering it's perm granted given that perm is friday it shouldn't be a problem but if there's not one um that's why like don't be surprised so um probably see you next week Slightly ch- slight chance, maybe not. All right, bye.